Hello everyone, welcome back to the series. My name is Jason and today I'll be your host for this podcast, Jason and the Chatterbox, JAC, a podcast where I learn about things in life from a series of discussion with my friends or domain expert, and also to improve myself as a better conversationalist. In this episode, we will be talking and discussing about some aspect of the academics work with a guest that is more familiar with it. Why? Because this guest eventually will be a part of uh, a small group of individuals between 24 to 65 that only 1.1% of this individual will ever be. You might wonder why is it the case? 1.1%? Because these individuals are those that age between 24 to 65 and have attained PhD and went to the university, doctorate of philosophy, possibly the highest education level one can get on this earth. In this episode, my guest is a brilliant PhD candidate whom I have known since his undergraduate period. He is also the 2017 Global Undergraduate Award winner in the physics and the mathematics category, if you don't know what it is about, it's equivalently or often called as a junior Nobel Prize. And besides that, the reason that why I managed through of my first year of university because of this guy, he carried me all the way through my first year of university with his hardworking attitude, right? In the end, he eventually graduated with a valedictorian title of my cohort. So please welcome Mr. Jeremy Lim. Thank you for coming, Mr. Jeremy. Thank you, thank you. You're, you you've been too kind in your introduction. <laughs> no, I, no. I, I was I was failing my math major. I think you were the one who carried, or rather, <laughs> but yeah. but you are the one carrying me through all the way. My physics. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> no, nah, no worries. We all work hard. We all work hard. We're doing our undergrad. Yeah. How how's your work nowadays? Your research. I saw that there is a pending research to be published, right? Oh uh, yeah. So right. Uh, so far I've published three. Three works during my PhD. Mm-hmm. Uh, two related to my topic. One is an extra project. Oh. Uh, two, two are pending publication, and right now we've just started uh, a few new projects and a few new collaborations. Yeah. Wow. Sounds sounds yeah. very intense. Okay, but before we go talk deeper to learn more about your PhD life, would you mind to share about yourself? Why should, what you do, and then what's your name, and then your background. Yeah, okay, so uh, my name is Jeremy, and uh, as Jason has already shared, uh, I did my undergrad in uh, NTU, and we, we spent a lot of time in SPMN doing both physics and math before I dropped out. <laughs> and yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's a summary of my university life. And after graduation, I actually started my PhD uh, in the Singapore University of Technology mm. and Design. Mm. and uh, yeah, hopefully after that, well, we'll see, we'll see what goes on after I graduate. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I will definitely ask about that as well later. Okay, what, sure. what about your um focus of research? Can you share more? Okay, yeah. So, uh, the main topic of my research is actually uh how lasers interact with uh new classes of materials. Mm. So, for instance, one one prime example would be uh graphene. So, we are interested in. Uh, studying how when you when you actually uh expose such materials special materials to extremely strong laser fields uh, how do the electrons in these materials move mm-hmm. and how we can use their unconventional behavior uh, in applications such as uh, ultra fast computing ah. or uh, extra extra compact light sources yeah so one example would be sources of x rays uh, oh. which currently actually require huge accelerator facilities to generate strong or uh, strong x-ray beams but 
uh, using such materials, uh, it has been shown that um, yeah, you can actually shrink such X-ray light sources to tabletop sizes. Yeah, so that's one oh. of the uh, the goals of my research. Means that compact light sources. Yeah. Previously, you said that the sources must be very bulky, very large in size. Is it? Uh, in general, X-rays can be produced on small scales. So, for ah, instance, okay. if you go to the clinic, uh, you know, you you can take an X-ray in a clinic. Correct. Uh, but the thing is, these these X-rays in the clinic, uh, they are not very strong and mm. they are not very coherent i see so to generate extremely strong x-rays you need like one kilometer accelerator you know those that you find at like stanford yeah yes the one that's very yeah. huge taking a lot of space right yeah yeah mm -hmm. okay so yeah there must be some big words coming in and some of you might be overwhelmed so yeah <laughs> I, I i have i have your topic research here and then i don't know have you ever heard about the, the term eli5 no. So in in the internet culture or knowledge, there is the term called Eli five, E L I five, that abbreviates from explain like I am five. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. So yes, okay. so explaining like to a five year old children. And then your topic research is called terahertz optical intensity creating for creating for creating high charge attosecond electron punch. Can yeah. you can you can you try to eli five this this is topic? Oh, okay, actually that is not my PhD topic. That was actually my FIP topic. Ah, sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I can I can try and explain yes. that. Okay, so uh, that work was actually trying to create uh, okay, so the big picture, the non five year old version first. Yes, so exactly. It's actually trying to create a, 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 a way to actually image image things. Or uh, at very small scales and very short time scales. Okay, so, uh, okay, in a five year old manner, uh, you know, for instance, if you want to make a movie, if you're yep. making a movie, it's essentially you're taking many photos very quickly. Correct, right? yeah. And, uh, as you know, like, for instance, if you use your camera phone, uh, what happens if the stuff you're taking picture of moves while you are taking your picture? You get right. a blur, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what we are doing is essentially trying to use electrons to take pictures. Oh. But uh, we are trying to shrink the so-called exposure time of this camera to very, very short time. So that instead of seeing a blur, you, you can actually take pictures of very short duration. I like, see. you know, you fire a bullet from a gun. All right. You can, yeah, you see those extremely slow, uh, slow motion. It's, or, it's, it's slow motion yeah. in, in some... Oh. Stop photography, yeah. I see. Yeah. So, so that paper was actually aiming to create extremely short electron bunches. So, 10 to a power of negative 18 seconds. Oh. At second long uh, time resolution. Means and uh, very short, right? Scale length resolution. Yeah, yeah it's very short so, and very small. Yeah. yeah. So, in a 5 year old sense, it's essentially trying to create a camera that has very high spatial resolution and very high time resolution wow. yeah well you yeah. broke it broke you broke it down very nicely well done well done <laughs> yeah okay so Thanks. so yeah you you took your phd in physics right yeah so why why out of all the science field why you choose physics uh, and the field that okay. you are currently in uh okay so it's, it's a bit weird if I choose, you are asking me why i chose physics uh and not other sciences like yes, biology or exactly. science. Uh, it's because I I had a fear of programming last time, so I didn't even take uh computer science. 
and mm. I didn't take biology all my life, so yeah, I can't go into biology. <laughs> yeah, but as for my field of study, uh, actually, I'm not very restricted. Oh, uh, yeah. So even though on paper you can see my research topic has a very fixed title, yes, but the stuff I'm working on is actually very very broad in terms of like material science. Mm, my mm. current projects are actually not even dealing with materials; it's dealing with uh how free electrons interact with lasers and uh atoms in free space or using mm. free electrons for quantum computing. Yeah, so uh, I do have preference for certain topics, but I'm not restricted to yeah, those topics. So, yeah. but so it's, it's, it's not, all, all, not all PhD is very broad, right? Some can be very narrow, is it? Uh, people usually have the option of choosing. So, I mean, a lot of people, they will choose one topic and progressively add on like, uh, you know, a few papers at mm. a time. Uh, to further this one particular topic but for myself uh, uh, my supervisor and I decided to not just uh, further like one topic but um, impact should be a high priority as well mm-hmm. so doing stuff that we think is important for the community wow. yeah, so it's it's not always the case that you have to be restricted to what you started with yeah, because people are going to look at the important stuff that's so true. Doing important stuff that's not related to your work, you know, people are still going to take notice. Yeah. So, yep, yeah, yep. That, that's our philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very nice philosophy of thesis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. When you took your PhD, right? Are there anyone that influenced you to do PhD? Maybe your family, your friends, or anyone? Uh, no, it was like just a personal goal. Like, wow. uh, yeah, I enjoyed research last time. Or rather, I, I thought I could continue doing research. Yeah, as a full-time job, so like PhD is sort of the trial period to mm-hmm. see whether I really want to continue into academia or yeah. But I just enjoy the research process. Uh, I believe it's a journey of self-discovery. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is is pursuing the unknown, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah, pursuing pursuing the unknown. Um. Uh, yeah, essentially, you are on on your own quite a lot because not even your supervisor will know what results you get. Yeah, mm. Like, you know, you also have done like research. So like, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, the process is very demanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about, how about the response that you receive when you express you want to do PhD? Let's say the response from your friends, your family, how do you feel? Or what do you receive? Because I can share from my perspective, when I heard that you were going for a PhD, wow, okay. It's definitely the right fit to go PhD and do research. But what do you receive from your friends and family? Uh, I think my friends kind of expected it because like, you know, last time we even talked about this, like even uh, even to other friends, we, we always discuss like next time I'm doing PhD and things uh. like that. Yeah, so friends, friends not, not really that much because they kind of expected it because I've, I've made my goals quite quite clear to them from the start. Mm. Uh, oh, your family? My parents, yeah, they, you know, they, they just asked uh, what are you going to do after that? What, what, what can you do with PhD? And, you know, the typical response, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people think PhD, you can't really do anything else other uh, uh, after that. Mm. But uh, as you know, you you work in like machine learning and yep. uh, data science, right? So you know that the jump to industry is quite quite possible. Quite possible, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Okay, so you 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 tell us more. Just now tell us a few words and listener about your uh, entry point. But can you share more? What is your PhD life looks like? Can you describe in percentage what do you do? On the daily basis, oh, is yeah, it only just research? 
yeah, I okay, I think it really depends on how much you want to commit. So for instance, uh, I actually have two three supervisors. Wow. Uh, two of them. Two two are uh from SUTD. Uh-huh. And one is from my F who who was my FYP supervisor and he recently just became a Nanyang assistant professor wow. uh, at Triple E. So my day to day, yeah, majority of it will be research. But even research wise it can be split because like, you know, if uh people want to collaborate or mm. or you're assigned a collaboration and you also have to split your time between your own research, other people's research, helping your friend if your supervisor wants you to help your friend. Uh there's also for me there was teaching teaching mm-hmm. and marking yeah teaching and marking duties coursework which is usually just the first one two years i see uh sometimes you have to help out with stuff so like actually for tomorrow there's actually a hackathon at SUTD. wow doing monte carlo simulation for high school students easy so, life yeah for the next two days we are supposed to teach yeah teach or uh, help out with this event so like PhD can be a mix of not just research but other stuff but at the same time it also depends on how much you want to commit because mm. a lot of the times you can choose to say no you don't want to take on extra stuff right, uh, right. yeah yeah I heard so, I heard that even PhD or the research like those kind of research work also have a lot of collaboration as you mentioned right then yeah. how much time do you spend for communicating with your collaborator and all can you estimate like in 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 percentage of your daily uh, basis? Uh okay. In terms of percentage, okay. So like right now, I have two major collaborations. Actually, I'm more than that, but those are they are just starting out, so there's not much mm. stuff to be done. So like your two major ones, um, it actually depends because we can say, or uh, okay. So one of them is actually a group in Nanjing, China. So mm. we are actually helping to provide uh we're actually providing theoretical support and they're doing the experiments. So it can be as little as once a week or once every two weeks, you know, whenever mm. data comes in. Yeah. But for theoretical work, uh it actually depends on yeah, how quickly you wish to uh move things forward. So yeah, it's really really flexible. Mm. But in terms of percentage wise, right now, yeah, maybe one, two meetings a week. In terms of collaboration, yeah. See. Then of course, when you're writing a manuscript, uh, when people are putting, uh, like, uh, giving their input, then maybe more than once a week. You know, every draft maybe they'll send comments mm-hmm. or things like that. A lot of free few session, right? Yeah. We have a guest today. <laughs> so so yeah, that one is PhD. But what do you think of your bachelor period? Do you miss it your bachelor period, and then how different it is? Bachelor period is like very structured. You know, you, mm. you are just chasing grades. Uh, you know, your, all your tutorials have answers. Right. Uh, I wouldn't say bachelor is easy. I would just say it's very different. Very different from research. Yeah, so yeah, I think I miss my bachelor's time a lot. <laughs> yeah, less stressful than, yeah. Less stressful? I Okay. I, I, I think it depends on preference. Yeah, some okay. people find research easier, some people find studying easier. Yeah. Um, from the way that you explain it, it means that thesis or PhD life a little sporadic because there's no curriculum compared to bachelor then. It can be more directionless or oh. it can be a bit flexible and indefinite in terms of oh. your goal. Yeah. Okay. 
and if that's the case is it's definitely matter of preference for More individual yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. but you know there's this joke uh, they say like uh phd life is uh it's like a holiday right but you work on holidays oh <laughs> yeah so, every so, day is a saturday but you work on saturday but you will work on saturday yeah so are there, are there any particular period or moment that that makes you say so this is the reason why i love and do phd or the other opposite why do i even sign up for for this this phd yeah do you, so, do you have yeah definitely so like uh i mean you definitely get the second the second case way more often uh, most likely <laughs> almost every single day but, what happened uh, what happened i don't you know sometimes your like re- review review comments come back yeah mm. not great or just some reviewers are very nasty and unprofessional or like your manuscript rejected like five times and you have to keep rewriting every single time yeah oh. or yeah you just you just have no idea how to solve a problem yeah are, but are they the I same mean, reviewer time to time or is it a different reviewer in in the same institution oh we have no idea actually you have Almost no idea like, right blind reviewer so we, we have no idea who is the reviewer although so, sometimes you can guess yeah so you just you keep repeating the process submit receive the response submit and receive the response until you get the clean light and and sometimes they don't even send to the reviewer sometimes the editor just reject so yeah oh yeah but i mean there are good times i mean the good times is always when you get the results you want <laughs> right right yeah. let's say yeah, you so suddenly then, got the clean light yeah, suddenly you, you 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 get the results you want, then everything seems to be you suddenly love research again. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely very frustrating. Like those feedback loop, error, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, for yeah. your PhD, do you do you envision the PhD that you have back then? Like let's say when you just under your 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 bachelor period, and the the one that you are going through are there a lot of difference the expectation and the reality that you're having on right now yeah i like in terms of personal goal personal goals i actually yeah it actually, actually differs quite a lot i expected myself to be more productive mm. uh and maybe more restricted because i expected to be only doing one topic but uh I'm, I've been given like a lot of topics that I'm uncomfortable in during PhD that I have to learn to get used to. So I guess it's not good or bad, or maybe it's good because like, you know, it trains you to adapt, adapt to uncomfortable situations. Mm. Yeah, but it can be quite scary that yeah, you're supposed to pick up a new topic, but you're supposed to support a group that have been doing this topic for quite some time. Yeah, mm. so it can be quite, it, it's more intimidating than I thought. Yeah. But yeah. your but your idea here it's been like three years I think three years since you start your PhD right? It's my third year yeah so yeah. in September September I start my fourth year yeah. And you start to prepare your thesis is it? Yeah thesis yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah maybe yeah fourth fourth usually people graduate fourth to fifth year mm-hmm. yeah. And what what kind of misconception do you often receive as a PhD student or candidate? As a physicist per se, as a as a PhD candidate, I think the most common one is studying all day. Because <laughs> studying studying implies that there's already an answer, right? You can just study study stuff. Ah. But, uh, I think it's it's uh, it has way more common with. I mean, it has a lot of in common with uh, normal jobs more than people may expect. Yeah, oh. because 
you know, every single day you go to work, you stay at your computer. Right. You still have deadlines to meet. It's just the job you do is slightly different. Mm. But then there's still annoying people in the office. There's <laughs> people you like and don't like in the office, you know. I mean, a lot of it is the same. Maybe your hours are slightly different, but, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, we... I think, Yeah. So I think the right way of looking at PhD is more like equivalent to an apprenticeship for a job. It's like a super long internship. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, no, it's, where, it's where you join the, the observation period, right? Where you, it's got yeah. the shadowing kind of things, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, uh, pattern attorneys or specific types of lawyers before they take the bar exam. Mm. Yeah, it's just like that. You're just waiting for your waiting for your exam results, but then you're getting like additional experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, uh let's see. Oh. Now right, about PhD, they they seems that there's a lot of misconception of a lot of studying. Do you think that yeah. one need do do you think somebody need to be smart to go for PhD or doctorate or just diligence and passion is enough? Uh, if, okay, so obviously the ideal condition would be both smart and hardworking because mm. these people are usually the those who do very, very well. Uh, you definitely need diligence and hard work because uh, I know people who did extremely well in school, mm-hmm. like very, very, very well, but or just didn't really do well in uh, PhD or research in general. But I would say that there is a minimum, there's a minimum standard uh, in terms of entry point. Mm. Not saying that uh, below this point you, you can't get in or, or you're not suitable, but it will make your life a lot easier if you were actually of a certain standard. Ah, yeah. right. So for, for my, I will take myself as an example here. So like, yes, exactly. Please explain I, yourself. I, yeah, so I've I've a lot of trouble picking up some topics because I think my some of my foundations are actually not, not 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 really there yet, mm. or at least not very strong. So, yeah, so I think I would I would have a much easier time if you know I had like let's say, a way better understanding or way better memory that could help me recall like all the fundamental you know fundamental mm-hmm. quantum mechanics stuff from like what you year one and two, or the group theory stuff that comes naturally to people. Yeah. I see. Because yeah, if you are naturally smart, I think it would help it would actually help you visualize more interesting connections between a lot of topics. Mm. Yeah. And those are actually the important important pieces of work. Yeah. So not necessarily a requirement, but it'll make a library a lot easier. easier. Yeah. So yeah. smart enough is not sufficient. Passion and diligence are working enough is also not sufficient. So you need put uh, okay, not you probably okay. Passion, hard work, yeah, diligence, and uh, eagerness to learn. Mm. Yeah, I would I would say most people who go into university most likely can make it to PhD because you know if you made it to university, there's already a minimum standard, right? Ah, right, right, yeah. right. So yeah, so it's, it's the minimum yeah. standard criteria. Yeah, I mean it's not like the old days, like hundred years ago, where there are so few PhD students. Right, so they, right. yeah. So like nowadays, I mean, it's also, I think, easier than last time you get in. Yeah. Unless you are aiming for like Harvard. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I, it depends also the, the institution that you're going for. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. okay. Uh, okay. I have a question point that I'm curious because there's a hearsay I heard from friends and all. 
what is your plan after completing your PhD? I heard that you are planning to open a food or bar related business. Is that true? What what do you no, plan? What do you plan for after your PhD? I'm curious. That's like that's like a pipe dream. If <laughs> if I won the lottery, if I won like Singapore sweet thirty million, then maybe. <laughs> yeah, but no, that that's not practical. Not at least not not as a starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. That's definitely not what I'm gonna do. I don't have the money to start. So yeah. so so what what are you planning to do after your PhD? Are you going to the workforce or are you going to further academics pursue the what is it called, professorship? Oh, uh, most likely going to do industry. Oh, yeah, industry. Yeah, because I don't think I have the stamina to continue in academia. Yeah, See. because you know competition is very fierce. Mm. Uh, positions not many as well. Yeah, so yeah, I think it's better better if i if i hit the industry yeah do you feel burnt yeah, out about that not necessarily burnt out but i just think more practical i'm not going to force it if i'm not naturally talented in research mm. yeah mm. yeah yeah because it's one thing to like you know go into academia but you don't survive very well right. or you always can't get funding and you don't do very well yes yeah. So you want to have the, the right balance between the academics and then the practicality, as you mentioned in your research topic. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So let's say if you can go back in time, I know it's not possible by physics. Will you tell your younger self, your let's say your five year old self, to take a doctorate? Uh, I don't think I would change anything. So I would just let, oh. let, let my younger self do. Cause like even though I plan to leave or uh, academia, right, doesn't mm. mean I regret it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. So I I don't think anything bad came out of it. Yeah, it's just that you, when one chapter ends, you just start you just start something new. Yeah, uh, but I won't erase I won't erase this chapter in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. Uh, reflecting from your experience, right, you are continuing PhD right after your bachelor. Why Why is it the case? Why don't you take uh, some break then you go for PhD. Um you you can actually take a break, but for me I think like uh a continue like a direct continuation would be good. So yeah, you know, I was exploring exploring like new topics even before I got a PhD program. Yep. So mm-hmm. like yeah, so it just seemed like a natural continuation. Yeah. It's yeah, but yeah, well we had a few months break. So yeah. Was it the momentum? Like the momentum to study yeah. on fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think of doing the for the academics like PhD? What do you think is the upside and the downside of doing one? Uh doing academia or going to academia the upside definitely trains you in being uncomfortable, I would mm. say. Or in terms of uncertainty, yeah, and I think it takes a, a lot of willpower to go through four years of no, not necessarily any going like no no fixed direction, you know. Yeah, mm. I mean that I guess that's that's the upside. I mean it trains you to be comfortable with what's uncomfortable, but downside, I think it's very easy to get caught up in a in an unregulated lifestyle. So you know there's no nine to five. Oh. So obviously. A lot of people in 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 academia in general, I mean, especially you know, even actually even the smart people, 
you know, they they will be uncomfortable and they think they will, they are unproductive. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they are or not is a different story, but like, uh, you get like imposter syndrome, so you always feel the need that mm-hmm. like, uh, you always need to keep working, so you work beyond like your working hours, into like an unhealthy lifestyle, no exercise, or you don't eat properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the downside is it's very easy to lose control of your lifestyle, or like mm-hmm. really just yeah lose direction you know like losing losing yourself or basically losing yourself to to the phd and forgetting that there's a life out there because of the irregularity of the the work itself right and because of the pressure and a lot of the pressure is also self-induced pressure so like you just feel the need to to keep pushing yourself because you think you're not doing enough Mm. you know you compare yourself with people yeah yeah see about about your that that irregular and then so I'm wondering if the PhD also affecting uh, your your sorry outside of your academics academics work let's say your life commitment I believe you are married right yeah and this this year will be your third anniversary I guess or I second think so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so do you think how how do you balance the, your life commitment and PhD what what is your common struggle about it. I I think I think I'm I'm lucky because like uh, uh my wife is also doing PhD. I see. So like you know we we sort of understand the requirements of uh of PhD students, but obviously I know that uh I'm I'm lucky, but I I know of people who are not so lucky. I mean, uh, I'm I think it's a bit hard for people who haven't done research to understand the level of commitment required. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes they may be friction in like normal relationships yeah so i think like uh, i also have a few few colleagues and my wife also got a few colleagues that mm-hmm. you know they are doing research especially you no know, experiments they do until like quite late they spend like days in the lab then sometimes you don't spend time with your like or uh, your partner so yeah yeah i mean that that could be a cause of uh concern or that could be a yeah, source of friction between people yeah so yeah i guess i'm lucky enough to to have to have an understanding why. Yep, yep. Yeah. So so the common common typical source of conflict is the misunderstanding of the commitment for PhD itself. Yeah. Time commitment, maybe even money. Yeah, yeah. because like, you know, not we are not paid that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, you know, people can start off with a lower pay, like let's say PhD stipend is higher than my some of my friends starting pay. But um, by the end of the four years I graduate, I'm receiving the same pay. They get pay raise, they get bonus. Yeah, you know. So they have the additional amount, right? Yeah. Now, with with all of this, whom do you think PhD for? What kind of goal in mind wanting to have to before before they pursue PhD? What what do they have should have in mind? Mm, they should love discovering things. They should love like really. They they should like problem solving a lot, mm. and problem solving not with not with solutions, but they should love the job of finding the solution for mankind. Yeah, you know, mm. yeah, finding problems that mankind already has, and yeah, putting your own spin to it, finding solutions. Yeah, you must love problem solving a lot. I see. Now, um, what do you think? Physics, physics is uh, I believe physics is a strong part of life. Because we do, we use all of the physics application in our life, our computer, our chipset, and all. 
Yeah. Uh, we w- I want to uh, twist it a bit. What do you think the parallel that, they, that you can draw between your physics, physics study, your PhD work, and then life in SAP? Hmm. Okay, yeah, so between like, uh, maybe I can draw parallels between PhD, my PhD workflow and life itself is that you should always, uh, you should always aim to be a bit, a bit on the lazy side. Wait, so what? Like, you should sometimes aim, it's sometimes smart to aim a bit on the lazy side. So I realized the key to efficiency is actually aiming to do things so that you can be lazy. So for instance, like uh, you, know, you should set up your simulations to run for weeks and weeks or while you're asleep so that you don't have to spend unnecessary time on repeating yourself. Right. So like you should always find ways to do things in an easier way. Yeah. So it's so think, improving yourself so you can be lazier. Oh yeah, maybe that's a that that's maybe that's not 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 such a nice way to put it, but <laughs> yeah so Spend spend effort, spend spend effort into spend effort on on finding easy way to do things. Mm. Yeah, in life. Yeah. So, but you improve yourself and improve the mankind yeah. in some way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a good a good few point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but but not not asking you to be lazy, but like <laughs> yeah. yeah. You find but, ways to make your life easier. Yes, it's it's. Yeah. But it's not like offering engineering something to solve a very simple issue. It's like yeah, understand. Yeah, that's very very understandable point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last last one. Are there? Do you have any message or forewarning to those that intend to to do PhD? <laughs> warning. Forewarning or message or. Uh, inspiration or something whatever you want to convey to maybe a message like uh, yeah it's going to be a hard journey for sure I mean yeah, you you would definitely feel like giving up a lot of the time or you will feel like you're incapable a lot of the time but uh, I mean that's supposed to be part of the journey so if you feel that you know it's normal uh, most most PhD students actually feel it so yeah just press on and you'll most likely make it through mm-hmm. yeah Exactly. That's that's yeah. very well well said message. So yeah, thank you Jeremy for coming coming down to talk yeah, no and problem. discuss. That's all viewers what we have for today. We talk a little bit more about what is the PhD life looks like and then why is the journey looks like and why is the struggle. So yeah, Jeremy, let's say they want to find you, I believe how where where do they can find you? I believe it's better to reach you via LinkedIn or Research Gate. Research <laughs> okay, Gate, yes. Yes, so I do so, have LinkedIn, but research is also there. Yeah. Yep. Mm, I, I, I'll put the research kit or the Google Scholar page in the description in case you want to study what, what Jeremy is doing for the Or oh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is also fine. Yeah. To better yeah. humanity in physics. So yeah. Thank you so much, Jeremy. So yeah, that's you. all that I have viewers and I'll see you in the next episode. This episode will be available in Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts soon. I'm working on the Apple Podcasts and YouTube. So, yep, that's all and see you next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jeremy. Bye.